0: Hi and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my ears. You gotta a little deeper. It really ain't that far. It is Thursday the statistics episode for rise of skywalker will be, be uh, will be released simultaneously with the review episode uh, to make up for missing monday and wednesday's episodes this week and um yeah uh, just to be f- clear uh, there's going to be mostly spoilers in this episode i think when i reviewed the last jedi i did an episode that was without spoilers and then i did a, uh, an episode that was just all spoilers and there will be a brief brief spoiler free section Uh, to this episode, uh, but then the majority of it will be all spoilers, uh, hard and fast, coming at you completely. So, without any further ado, obviously uh, this is a huge movie, one of the most anticipated movies of the year. The climax and finale of not only the recent trilogy of Star Wars episode films, but the cap on the entire Skywalker saga—nine films, uh, including two spin-offs that are connected to the films—that you know it—it's a—it's a huge deal. It's a big deal. So many childhoods uh, are connected to Star Wars, Jedi, lightsabers, Skywalkers, Darth Vader, etc. And um, you know, it's—it's it's a movie that is going to mean a lot to a lot of people. Uh, one way or the other. So in my letterboxed review for this movie I I kinda break down my my journey through the Star Wars movies and and how I arrived at the headspace I was in when I saw Rise of Skywalker what I was thinking about as I watched all the previous films uh, for their first times and subsequent viewings and I don't want to get too mired in that in this episode but I, I do think it bears stating to a degree. And so, I I watched all the Star Wars movies, including Rogue One and Solo, uh, in chronological order, um, in preparation for Rise of Skywalker. I was very excited uh, for Rise of Skywalker, uh, you know, after watching Last Jedi in 2017, two years ago, quote-unquote three years ago as of recording, I was really looking forward to the continuation of that movie, Uh, but I did know at the time that Ryan Johnson, director of The Last Jedi, was not attached to the ninth episode of the Skywalker franchise. At the time, I believe it was Colin Trevorrow, and then he was replaced after the backlash to Last Jedi and the kind of schism that formed within the fandom of Star Wars. Uh, by JJ Abrams who had directed the Force Awakens. Another movie I really 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 enjoy. And so that was concerning. I think um not because I was not that I thought JJ Abrams was is a bad director. I think he's a fine director. I think he's made some fine movies. I'm I respect a lot of the stuff he's done, but the fact that whatever was planned, whatever the intention was for episode 9 um, prior to last Jedi being released, something changed. Something was changed after. And whether that ha- you know how much that has to do with the fandom reactions, uh, the the toxicity uh, toward some of the actors within the last Jedi who were you know maligned and sent death threats and all that. Uh, and however much of that was con- attributed to uh, the pa- the unfortunate passing of Carrie Fisher. You know, uh, her big moment was supposed to come in this ninth film, and she died before she could film it. Uh, there was a lot happening uh, in the real world that affected Rise of Skywalker's ultimate product. And so, you know, that is very troubling, you know, because... The filmmakers and, and the producers and, and Disney and Lucasfilm they can't make they could not make whatever they wanted to make exactly something had to give, and I'm sure it was an amalgamation of in, of of elements that caused changes to be made in this movie. So, what is where does that leave us? Well, we end up with a movie uh, that got the widest longest amount of time. Uh, distanced from its predecessor uh, since Force Awakens has come out, a year from Force Awakens to Rogue One, a year thereafter to Last Jedi, then only five months to Solo, but we get over a year and a half between Solo and Rise of Skywalker. A little bit more time for people to kind of prepare themselves, be ready, think about, conject, uh, hypothesize over what this movie was going to be, what was going to happen, where they wanted it to go, and... That puts additional pressure on J.J., on Kathleen Kennedy, Disney, Lucasfilm. Because because of how divisive Last Jedi's reaction was, critics loved it, fans very split, a lot of people very upset with a lot of the decisions Johnson made in his film, Uh, some fans very, very much in support of what decisions he made, what be those character beats, be those story de- plot devices, and, and, and so on and so forth, not only for the characters of the new films, but the characters from the old films, Luke, Leia, uh, and Han, and, and, and the, just all that, everything, was, you know, the very divided. And it really felt like if, if we continued and, and had more of whatever The Last Jedi was doing... Uh, those fans who were insulted and offended and, and angry would only become more so. On the other side, the fans that really enjoyed The Last Jedi, the fans that appreciated every, the things that it did, uh, would probably be turned off by a film that went walked, walked that back, as it were. So, there wasn't a way to win. You, you could not win making The Rise of Skywalker. It's not something I would ever want to have to do. Uh, There's way too much pressure on this film and you know I I can't not give credit to JJ Abrams for even daring to take up that responsibility I, you know it, it's just so monumental it, it it's you know it, it could absolutely have been you know career ending for whoever stepped into that director's chair uh, I think JJ Abrams is going to be you know fine I think I think he's kind of bulletproof in that regard given the past responsibility uh, past things that he's made but um anyone you know could could have stepped in Colin Trevorrow I think if he makes the rise of skywalker and it wouldn't have obviously been the same exact movie but you know if he makes that movie and it's awful that could be it for him right like he he's had multiple ex- uh attempts to kind of hit these big budget films, and in my opinion, they've all been bad, uh, so anyway, um, that's kind of the problem, you know, like, the, or that's, that's the reality of the situation, J.J. Abrams stepped into a, a very, very bad situation where he knew he couldn't please everybody, he knew he was going to upset some people, and um, there wasn't much else he could do. So he tried to so Rise of Skywalker really felt like him trying to do everything he could to appease as many people as possible and at the same time try to end a, a trilogy, a trilogy of trilogies and um, you know, make a make a good film in the process uh, despite you know, real world, many real world issues. I should also say, a lot of the people who, who feel the, who are the most heated about Star Wars in general, and, and Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker, The Force Awakens, and other films, the prequels, they are Star Wars diehards, a lot of these people. They are people who grew up with the original trilogy, that, that those movies kind of defined their childhood, these movies are, you know, their favorite movies of all time, that, you know, they, they love A New Hope and Empire, and Return of the Jedi, you know, they, they just, it's, it's part of them, you know, I know so many people who's, where Empire is, if not their favorite, like, one of their five to ten top favorite movies of all time, and obviously that, that's means something, Anytime a film you love, a film that you cherish, uh, is given a sequel, is remade, is, is, impacted by some new media that is released it it impacts you you know my favorite movie being the nightmare before christmas if they make a remake of that like live action if they make a sequel to it you know that's going to impact me greatly and I, i wish it wouldn't you know i wish there would be no way to affect this perfect film that i have attached to myself but that's just not the reality of of how movies work and how media works and how stories work you know if they you know they make a sequel to the nightmare for christmas and it changes things it diverts futures that i expected i have to consider that i could just ignore it and and, and try to limit myself to to the film i've known since the 90s the film that i grew up with the film that i love and know almost by heart but there's always going to be a part of me that's like yeah, but I do know that the filmmakers made this decision in the sequel. And when you're de- and and you know that's just a single movie uh standalone as of right now whereas Star Wars it's a trilogy, it's a it's a cultural um footprint that is enormous. And when you layer on top of that the prequels that are themselves divided, that brought in a whole new generation of fans to Star Wars, but also in the process really hurt some of the people who who cared a lot about that franchise, it, it, it's no wonder that Star Wars fans are sensitive. And I don't mean that as a slight against them. It's not a problem to be sensitive. You know, if you care about this franchise, if you care about these movies, you know, I, I'm I love that. That makes me happy that people care about movies so much, that people would care about a specific franchise of movies this much. And, but, but at the same time, you know, it does lead to some of these reactions that we got from these new movies, people who, are super on board with everything Ryan Johnson did, or with everything J.J. Abrams did uh, in *Force Awakens*, and people who are absolutely against, you know, like, I don't want to remake *New Hope*. I don't want to, you know, slap, uh, slap everybody who's cared about these movies in the face with what Ryan Johnson did, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I, I think, but I, I do think that there's a way to be outraged or offended or, or upset or angry that doesn't cause harm. And, and hurt other people, you know the 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 hard and harsh words that were used against Daisy Ridley against Kelly Marie Tran after the Last Jedi came out, and you know just the awful things people said. You know those are not those aren't real fans. You know if if you really cared about a, a franchise or or anything, uh, I I just I can't fathom. The mindset of of someone who who feels that way, who thinks that way, you know, whether or not you enjoyed uh, Rose's character or whether or not you you like Ray, you know, these are still movies in the Star Wars universe trying to do something to entertain, trying to do something uh, to to build upon what has come before them, and to my for my money, they do that. You know, all of these movies. For better or worse, do something to add to what came before them, and I, I might quibble about that that comment with uh, with regards to solo, but they do they try to change and 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 mold this franchise from the the absolute greatness that it had, you know, when the original trilogy came out, uh, even to the very very maligned prequels that came out in the early aughts and in late 90s it's 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 really tough to go into a movie like Rise of Skywalker with a clear conscience with a with a blank slate. you just you absolutely can't do that. Everyone who watches this movie uh, unless you haven't seen any of the prior films and to which I'd say like why would you even watch it? You have some mindset. You have some agenda. You're bringing baggage into this film, no matter what. And you know, absolute credit to anyone who can kind of leave that at the door and and, and try and enjoy the film for what it is. I'm not. I couldn't. I wanted to do that, and I couldn't do it. Uh, so obviously, my review will be, my, uh, you know, marked by what I brought to this film, and and that is what it is and I think that's how it's gonna be for most people so that said, um, kind of a long preamble that said, before we get into spoilers here's my kind of vague general thoughts on this movie I can't remember the last time I was so frustrated with a movie uh, I don't know the last time I rolled my eyes as much watching Rise of Skywalker. I I remember the first thing I, I one of the first things I said after seeing the movie was that I didn't agree with any of the decisions made, and I thought how how they were how they were executed was incredibly poorly done. Um, I, I think that's a little too concrete of a statement. I don't think every decision was inherently wrong that's made in this movie but i think a lot of them are and i came away with this um very very disappointed and um you know i i you know i i'm a fan of the last jedi and a fan of the force awakens and this movie felt like just so worthless um and and wrong in a lot of different ways so I won't, uh, you know I, I think It's tough I've I've listened and, and read and, and seen And talked to a lot of different people about this movie And I've listened to podcasts That have reviewed this movie already um, Some of them Everyone on the podcast likes it And other people Most of them don't like it um, But I, I, I think That Ultimately, it's a film that, given the weight and and responsibility and pressure that it had at its feet and on its shoulders and on its back and on its head and everywhere, really uh, could not have succeeded, in my opinion. You know, looking at it, um, I that's not fair. There probably are ways for it to succeed, um, if you if you adhere to the fact that it has to come out after Force Awakens and the Last Jedi have already been made. I believe there was a, there could have should have been a way to, to land this ship as it were and I I, I do not think JJ Abrams managed to do it I think not only did he not manage to land the ship I don't think he was anywhere near um, the airport or whatever you want to land it I, I think he he just hit a he, he hit a meteor you know hundreds of thousands of light years away from wherever he was trying to get and um, it's really unfortunate. It is So uh, if you care to hear me explain why I feel that way uh, You can listen after the spoilers If I've already offended you Um, Well, there's always other movies So Anyway, uh, after the small bumper uh, We will be in spoiler territory For Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker Don't ask too many questions You don't want answers too you don't like my direction, here, I won't follow you. Okay, spoilers, here we go. I, I wasn't sure how I wanted to structure this. Uh, for for first, first of all, hold on, back up, back up. First of all, it's impossible to talk about this movie without referencing The Last Jedi and The Force Awakens in some capacity, and even, you know, to a certain degree, the prequels and original trilogy. You just can't do it. However, I want to try to, at first, look at this film in a bubble, and, and approach some of the decisions that were made, um, without trying to link them to the films before them, so I'm going to try to do that, it might not, might not be successful, but I want to, I want to at least try to take this film as itself, and, and how it is, so, here we go, first line of the film, in the opening crawl, Is the dead speak. Exclamation point. That is the first time I rolled my eyes at this movie. It was already off to a bad start. From the opening crawl. I knew Palpatine was still alive. I had heard his voice in in some promotional material. At some point along the way. Uh, As much as I tried to avoid. Any um, trailers. Posters. What have you. I could not avoid. um, Learning about Palpatine's. Existence. Uh, You know. You know he's not quote unquote alive necessarily but again the dead speak you know he is a character in this movie and he is doing things and, and interacting and, and not only that but he is now being credited for everything uh, that has happened in the force awakens in the last Jedi so yeah I, I was I was ready for that and I still rolled my eyes like I was prepared for this to happen and it still bothered me. But, it can bother me, you know, we still, the, the movie proper hasn't really even started yet, uh, so I was still hope holding out hope that there would be, you know, a reasonable ex- explanation for all this, you know, for him being around, for him, you know, what he's been doing behind the scenes, and now, presumably, for him being the big villain of not only this movie, but now the entire franchise. Uh, so, we open with... Kylo uh, Wrecking A a group of people uh, And and ultimately Discovering a Wayfinder device So I want to read the first line Of the plot synopsis On Wikipedia Because I, I find it very fascinating Here's the first sentence of the plot Following a threat of revenge By the presumed dead Emperor Palpatine Kylo Ren obtains a Sith Wayfinder device leading him to the Uncharted planet Exegol and this is this is the issue, and I, I feel like I'm already breaking my my hope of 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 ignoring the previous films. There are so many things in this one sentence that have not been ever mentioned prior to this film, that have been long thought to be dead prior to this film, that have you know we 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 time jumped so much between episodes eight and nine. There's a there's a log, large gap there, and and it feels like decades when you when I read that sentence. You know what is Excal? Where has it been this whole time? Why is it so impossible to find? Why are there Wayfinder devices to get there? Why were two of them made? Uh, how is Palpatine alive? You know is he is he even alive? You know he's presumed dead. Did he actually die? Why is he plotting his revenge on the universe? How does everybody else know? Why would he reveal himself? There's so many questions I have with that one sentence. And the problem is, so many of these questions go unanswered in this movie. There are a lot of decisions and things that happen in this film that I've heard people give explanations for. People have jumped through hoops. And uh, you know, you know, done a lot of work to try to answer some of these questions, and my problem with that is, you know, even if these questions had reasonable answers, none of them are in the movie. You have to do so much external work to even arrive at something theoretically possible, and it, it just—it's super frustrating that the movie itself doesn't justify what it decides to do. <clears throat> so, we get to Exegol, it's early in the film, you know, my my concerns over uh, knowing Palpatine was alive, as a spoiler, kind of, those at least fell to the wayside, because obviously he's the first thing you hear about in this movie, and you see him fairly early on. Kylo meets Palpatine, we learn that Snoke was a puppet that was created by Palpatine, uh, and um, was used to lure Kylo to the dark side, bada bing bada boom, uh, all of a sudden we, we've we immediately retrofitted, retroactive, uh, retro, re- retconned the entire sequel trilogy to have been mostly Palpatine puppeteering everything that's happening. And And again, like, I think You know, I, I originally and, and initially, I hate this decision I, I think it's very stupid, I think it makes No sense, and there's no evidence For it after Return of the Jedi There's none But I read an article that Kind of explains it uh, Again You know, does a lot of external work To kind of reach its conclusion, so Awful, but Kind of explains it in a way that I really would have enjoyed. I think. I, I think there's a, a manner in which this resolution could have been reached, but at the same time, I think it only gets there if you remake Force Awakens and Last Jedi completely differently to set up Rise of Skywalker, which are not the case. So, to that end, I don't know why. Don't know why we brought Palpatine back. I don't know why we have this uncharted planet Exegol. I don't know why he has a fleet of the Final Order, which are just you know a thousand Death Stars with on a, on the size of a ship. There's there's so many things, and and it's really very frustrating that uh, they just they 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 dump all this information on you in the first thirty to forty minutes or so, and. It's whiplash from one thing to the next. So we get all this stuff. Exegol, great. Um, you know, he reveals the secret Armada, Star Destroyers, and um, and then he brings up Rey. So we go to Rey. Leia, you know, still leading the resistance. Uh, here's the thing. Let's let's talk about Leia for a second. Carrie Fisher passed away. We learned fairly early on that. Whatever scenes and whatever narrative arc Leia was going to have in this film would be achieved through prior uh, deleted scenes and, and sorts um, of, of what she had shot for Force Awakens. I don't know if anything was used from the Last Jedi's film, uh, uh, deleted scenes or anything like that, but deleted scenes that she had been in prior to this were going to be used in this film to give her, to kind of finish her story. And I respect that the filmmakers, Abrams, that Kathleen Kennedy, that everybody wanted her in this movie. I respect that she does need an ending. But I think this is, I think what we get is incredibly in bad, I think it's very, very poor taste. Every scene that she is in, she is not in the same movie as these other characters, quite literally. She... Speaks in vague generalities. She doesn't seem... You know, we have multiple, at least one instance where another character reacts to just Leia walking. And says like, oh, she knows X, Y, Z. And it really does get to the heart of this is just a mistake. I, you know, it may have been unceremonious. It may have been, to some people, disrespectful to... Have, like, the opening scene of this movie be her funeral. For her to, quote, to have, like, died off screen. But I think... <clears throat> and and there's a lot of other reasons why she needs to be in this movie that I'll get to. You know, more we talk about Kylo Ren and Rey. But what we get, in my opinion, is just so, so unnatural and, and awful for her. For her character. You know, I... It doesn't fit... Everything had to be written backwards to match what she says to and, and even you can tell like the vagueness of what she's saying, you know they it looked she's not even saying anything specific. she's not even she's hardly talking about a sing, a character. She doesn't really reference anybody by name or anything or any place and it's still impossible to make her fit in this movie. It's you know she does nothing. She is absolutely neutered in this film with good reason, because Carrie Fisher died, and I, you know, it's not, you couldn't exactly recast her, you can't CGI her into this film, but I almost feel like that would have been better, I almost feel like I would have rather had some sort of weird, uh, uncanny valley Leia, uh, Doing actual things than whatever this husk of a person is, it, it feels incredibly disrespectful to her, to her character. You know, Leia's supposed to be one of the biggest characters in this franchise. She is supposed to be on the same level as Han and Luke. And you know, we're you know, if if Carrie Fisher had survived, you know, I don't know how that would have impacted what it would have, but I don't know how it would have impacted you know her story in this movie, and. I think it. it I, I think you know. Rather than you know, it, it's it's kind of like Abrams and, and Kennedy you know whoever attributing this to everybody who had any impact on the creative decisions of this movie, but it really felt like they looked at the footage that they had. With Carrie Fisher, they knew, they had to have known that it was not enough They had to have known that it could not have created a a satisfying narrative arc That it could not have been uh, inserted seamlessly into the final film of a franchise And yet they moved ahead anyway And I just, I cannot, I don't understand that decision You know I would say it's equally as baffling as not having a plan set up for this trilogy from the start. And you know, even if like even if every time we saw Leia, it was with her back to us, so we couldn't see her mouth, and we just had, you know, manufactured dialogue from Leia saying whatever they wanted her to say, maybe that would have even been better. But you know, all the decisions I think were were poor in bad taste. Um, you know, and 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 are just are just harmful to to her character and her legacy. You know, you watch watching all these movies back, and and you know you see the original trilogy, and you see how great Leia is, and how funny, how charming, how powerful, how strong, how flawed, how how imperfect, and great of a character she is. And even looking at her in, like, The Force Awakens and even in The Last Jedi, we see her, you know, as this wise, older, uh, you know, leader of the Resistance, the, the face of the Resistance. You know, she's the one still fighting all these years later. Han's not fighting. He's, you know, he's back being a smuggler. Luke's not fighting. He's in exile on Octo. Leia is and has always been... The the, the, had the, the the had the most fortitude of this the trio of characters that we le- meet in the original trilogy. And it's a shame that of the three of them, she is the one given the the weakest and most ineffective ending of the three. And I, I think it's a shame. We will. There'll be more. There'll be more. More on Leia as we talk about Kylo and Ray. So we get Leia, um, Finn and Poe. We get. We see them. Uh, they learn. They. They. Their opening scene. They're on. They're in like a, an escape from, you know, some other stuff. And uh, they. There's. There's a mole in the first order. There's a spy in the first order revealing information. They learn about Palpatine and his whereabouts and you know what he's doing. Uh, and uh, we get to Ray, who is still training, um, and she discovers, I don't know if I'm getting my chronology of the film absolutely perfect, but she discovers that Luke has been searching for Exegol for a long time. So, uh, Luke, um, having never mentioned this to anybody... If he's searching for Exegol, it probably means he thinks or knew Palpatine was still alive, or if not alive, uh, still acting from beyond the grave. Uh, Failed to tell anybody about it. Didn't mention it to a single person. Might have been a little important. Uh, But, nonetheless, uh, that is the situation that we are presented with. So, they head to the last place he went in his search. Um... Which is like a, a desert planet with a you know cultural Cinco de Mayo type festival, and that's where we meet Lando, Lando Calrissian. Uh, Billy D. Williams reprising his own his old role, and uh, more to the you know more to point to the point about Leia, Lando gets more to do in this movie than she does. Uh, we didn't see him in the past two films, but. He gets a lot to do here He gets his ending He gets his moment And uh, Leia doesn't get a moment in this movie As far as I'm concerned But Lando, you know Points them in the right direction And uh, Kylo's tracking them To their location And this is where we get uh, a couple of things We get the Knights of Ren Who are pointless Absolutely pointless They make no impact on this film whatsoever In my opinion Uh we get uh, we we see Rey use Force healing, which, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is not the first time we see Force healing in the franchise. I think it shows up in Mandalorian first, uh, which is fine. I don't hate it. Uh, I think it could have been presented a little bit better um, as the film progresses, and we see Force healing played out a couple of times after this. I think I think visually when When Ray heals the worm or snake or whatever it is, um, no, this doesn't explain it. Um, the the wound looks pretty superficial, but uh, painful for this worm thing. It would have been nice to see Ray react to to the amount of effort she had to exert to heal it. Uh, I don't think she needed to be like knocked unconscious or anything, but you know, it should have, you know, should have winded her, you know, should have, should have, something should have, it should have, she should have felt it. We see it next again uh, when she heals Kylo after stabbing him in the chest, in the stomach. Uh, that absolutely should have knocked her unconscious. You know, I think that looked like a wound he was going to die from if she didn't heal him. And I think healing him, rendering herself unconscious, and, You know, if you see her kind of winded and and exhausted after healing the worm, she would have known that this could put her in a very susceptible and vulnerable position. And to do that in front of Kylo Ren, someone who she has had a very difficult relationship with, someone who she's just been fighting to the death, who she stabs in anger, I think would have gone a long way to showcasing how 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 much she she believes in his ability to turn to the good side if that is the route that this movie is going to take which you know it is you know rendering her you know mo- motionless and, and and such like that would have gone a long way to establishing the turn that Kylo ultimately takes better than in my opinion the way they do do it with Han and Leia dying um then we see it the third time This would one give us reason to believe, uh, to know that if Kylo brings Rey back to life, he would die. Um, Because I think as that scene is presented, it's very silly. It's very poorly shot. Uh, I I, you know between you know him not having a single line of dialogue after "ouch" uh, and and just. You know, falling down the pit, coming out of the pit, kissing her, bring her back to life. I think there's so much that could have been done better about that sequence. But if that's what they want to do, heal the worm, heal Kylo, Kylo heals Rey, killing himself. Give it, establish that it costs something. And I think, you know, it almost feels like a Sith ability at that point if you're like, it, you have to use up your own life force to do a thing, which is which is kind of how what how it feels when someone when when we see people use force lightning, but I think in this instance it's I'm sacrificing. I am transferring my own being into you because I I care about you. I I want you to feel, be better. I want you to be healed, and it takes it takes something, you know. It it should cost something. It should it should mean something. It should affect something in you when you do it. So I, I wish that was the case with the force healing. I like the force healing as a thing, but I, I think it could have been handled better. Um, we then get one of my one of the things I really like about this movie. So I've been talking mostly about things I don't like. There are some things I do. Here's one of them. They cut. They get out of this cave that they're trapped in. This this sand pit. And Kylo and Rey kind of confront each other. Kylo's on a a speeder ship. Rey is just on her feet. I don't like... She turns around, stops, looks back, waits, runs away. or, Or I think she runs first, stops, looks back. And then jumps backward and slices off part of the ship that Kylo is riding in. Parts of this cinematically look cool Unfortunately for me I thought it was just so egregious And unnecessary and extra That Like if she's going to cut part of the wing uh, There's so many In my opinion better ways to have done that She could have thrown the lightsaber like a boomerang uh, Which I think I've seen Somewhere I don't remember exactly where I'd seen that before But I think it should Might have been in like a commercial for the new game But like, that's a thing. She can force pull it back to her after... Th- or no, Snoke does it. Snoke does it in um, the Red Room. Like she could have done that, and it would have had a, you know, been established that that's a thing that can be done. Uh, I, d- I don't know. I-, I really didn't like that part of it. Anyway, the good part, though. Kylo comes out of his ship. It's wrecked. He's fine. Then we see a carrier transport carrier rise up we know that Chewbacca has been taken and captured by the First Order we saw that and Rey I think Finn calls out to her and and makes her realize that she needs to stop the transport so she force grabs it from the ground awesome love it Kylo force grabs it from her and they're in this tug of war the wide shot on that is fantastic and, you know, they're both exerting all their power, they're both exerting all their strength, trying everything they can to, to overpower one another. And for a moment, before the, before we move on, this shows, I think for me, whatever's happened before, and, and we've seen this multiple times, where Kylo and Ray become locked. Uh, so, they are both incredibly powerful, and it's shown time and time again that they are equal footing. When they both grab the lightsaber at the end of Last Jedi and it rips apart, uh, you know, you, you see how equally matched they are. And for the most part, up until this point, in the f- these most recent movies, Rey's kind of gotten the better of Kylo when they fought. Um, we didn't really get an, a, a resolution the first time they fight in Force Awakens, when the ground rips apart between them. Um... Again, uh, Ray kind of escapes in the red room, you know, all this stuff. They've never really seriously fought that way uh, at this point in the movie. They still haven't fought to a point where somebody wins outright. And here again, they're, you know, exerting all this energy. And finally, what ends up breaking it is not that one of them overpowers the other, but that Ray in all of her exertion releases force lightning into the transport carrier blowing up the ship and presuming that uh, presuming presumably killing chewbacca and utilizing a sith power to do so i love that moment and it is quashed immediately when Chewbacca is not only alive, but I don't know. I, I just I want it's not that I wanted Chewbacca to die, but man, I would have loved to see such a huge impact on on Rey. You know, everyone complaining about, man, she's too perfect, she does everything so well. This would have been a great way to show that she is un, out of control. You know, as as powerful as she is, she is. There's a reason, you know, Luke was right to be concerned about her and and her abilities. Her her raw, untamed potential. And this would, in my opinion, would have been a great way to show um, the extent of that. So, I like the visual of it. I like initially what happens. It's a little unfortunate, I think. It's immediately walked back when Chewie's alive. But... Uh, I do like her, you know, using the Force Lightning and that coming through. So, uh, they end up anyway, they find this dagger. This is also key. Uh, hate this dagger. This dagger is awful. It's stupid. It makes no sense. So, let me set this up. You got a dagger. Nice little blade. Probably can kill and has killed some people in the past. Serrated edge. That, when you hold it just right and you're standing on the right spot... You can line it up with the wreckage of the Death Star um, on uh, where are they? Uh, Kefbur, is that right? Kefbur, yes. So they arrive on Kefbur. You have to stand on the right at the right spot. Hold the dagger just so, extract a little thingy out of it that points to a location on the Death Star. Now, uh, it's, it's, it's just, it's really poor writing. The Death Star is in the middle of the ocean, and the fact that it is incredibly dangerous to get to the Death Star because the waves are so violent, it makes it very unlikely that the Death Star, as it's, presented would have stayed that way however many years it's been which is quite a few because, you know, water moves and corrodes and uh, erodes everything, ultimately and uh, maybe two years uh, like, even two years after the the Death Star fell it would have strained credulity to me for this dagger to still line up um, and for if it lined up for the little pointy thingy to still point to the proper spot So I hate this dagger I think it is absolutely re- insane um, Anyway, anyway uh, We end up meeting Zori And uh, who else? Uh, Babu Frick Two characters that mean nothing to me Babu Frick I could care less, I, I think he's meaningless and silly, the fact—the only reason he's in the movie is to wipe um, C-3PO's memory, which in and of itself is, I think, ridiculous, uh, um, and then Zori is an old flame, uh, or rather an old acquaintance, I guess, which never really, con- I don't know that they confirm whether or not she and Poe used to be a thing, but... Uh, She gives a... we meet her character, and I think she gives this backstory to her character that I actually like. I I think, you know, she has a decent backstory, a good motivation. But the issue here, we're introducing a new character with a new backstory to a movie that is the finale of a franchise. And then we don't even use her. She doesn't go with the group. We see her, like, once later on in the movie when when it matters... And her impact on the film, her impact on Poe is negligible other than to make him appear to be a heterosexual. And her impact, like she looks cool. I like Carrie Russell. Uh, you know, we don't even see her face. We see her eyes once. It just it's a waste a waste of time. You know, I don't think we need her. In this movie, I don't think we need her to get to Babu Frick. I don't think we need Babu Frick. I don't think we need to erase See-Thru-Brew's memory in the first place. Um, like, I it just—it's just such a contrivance. You know, we have to—you know—we have to get the dagger. We have to go to the planet. We have to go in the dust. Store, we have to find the Wayfinder. Get to the Wayfinder. Get to the place. 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 Ridiculous. Anyway, this is where we learn the big news. Boom! It's happening. What everyone's wanted for the last four years Parents For Rey Not just any parents Not nobodies, no Real people People that matter And they matter Because in some way, shape or form uh, They gave birth To the granddaughter Rey Of Emperor Palpatine That's right the big bad of this final movie is the grandfather of Rey. Wow, huge huge big big shakeup, big news makes all the difference, changes everything about the story. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean anything to me. I another instance where I just rolled my eyes because I, it just it's so monumentally stupid to me to make Rey the granddaughter of Palpatine. It doesn't change her uh, it doesn't change her character to me. She's gone through so much at this point. I could not ever have possibly seen her turn to the dark side. I could never see her be even considerate, no matter what was at stake. Uh it it it's it's insane that um Chris Terrio, JJ Abrams, you know, Trevorrow, Derek Connolly, all the people who are credited on the screenplay or the story of this movie could think this is the right thing to do. And so, I get, here's the intention, right? Kylo, son of Han Solo and Luke Skywalker, uh, you know, turns to the dark side. Born of the light turns to the dark. Rey, born of the dark. But is she really? Like, Kylo knew Han and Leia were his parents this whole time. He was trained by Luke and he turned... Because he was seduced by Snoke, which we know is Palpatine. Rey, born of nobody, because her parents, as far as the movie's concerned, are still nobodies. They're just you know birthing the grand- the daughter, the granddaughter of Palpatine. Doesn't know who her parents are. Seeks them out. Uh, trains with Luke. Meets Leia and Han. Works with them. She's not of the dark side at all. She doesn't turn to the light ever. She starts in the light. She starts as a good person. Wanting to do good things. She's good and strong and powerful with the force. And learning this information. At this stage. In the trilogy. In the franchise. In my opinion. Has next to no impact. On her character. And on the films. Because. There's so many greater implications. Kylo knew. And and if he knew, I don't know why he doesn't tell her earlier. Uh, we learned that Leia and Luke knew, which is also idiotic because I don't know how they wouldn't say something as well. Uh, it doesn't. It does not. Does not compute. Does not compute. Um. Man. I, I just. I just do not. I do not get it. Uh, so. The other thing, though, is she's Palpatine's granddaughter. That does not make her parents his, either of her parents, one of his children necessarily. I don't think they ever phrase it that way in the movie. Rumors uh, say that he may have, you know, immaculately conceived her in this family, which maybe that's not really explained in the movie. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't like it bad so Rey finds the Wayfinder she's prepared she's able to now she can go to Exegol take down Palpatine cool Kylo shows up they fight she tries she almost kills him she heals him nothing happens to her Uh, he destroys her Wayfinder she steals his ship which hey has his Wayfinder on it and then Kylo uh, has a little reunion with Han Solo Uh, force projected it seems from Leia uh, who is exerting all of her energy to present Kylo with Han, uh, and then it ultimately kills her. I mean, I, I got to assume that the scene with Han and Kylo was supposed to be Leia and Kylo. We've never seen them interact in this movie, uh, and and that's or in this franchise, and that's a shame. Uh, obviously, they couldn't have done that, but. It just it falls so flat, it feels so weak I don't know, Han being there does nothing for me I don't find it very satisfying um, But, all in all, Kylo turns to the good side Throws away something, I forget, but turns to the good side Cool And I don't like that So, ex- I think you can't avoid it if you're going to have Palpatine return in this film, you have to have Kylo turn to the good side, uh, which is why I don't like it. I think it, you know, simplifies things a lot. I really thought Kylo as the big bad. And and that's that in of itself is kind of curious. Like Kylo as the big bad of the whole franchise, like the big bad at the very end of these movies is kind of weird. He's young, uh he's he's not well trained, he's not um I don't know, he, he doesn't strike me as the kind of person who is the final villain of a franchise. You know, he's not a Thanos by any stretch of the imagination. He barely you know, he's he's a I don't know, he he's a he's a killmonger, right? He would be the villain of a single movie, of a solo film in the Marvel cinematic universe. He's not Thanos, he's not uh Ultron. Even though you know those movies, whatever you want to call them, but but I think the more I think about that, the more I feel as though the more I feel as though what what could have been with Kylo as the ultimate villain. You know, he is he is a a, a boy in a lot of ways uh, that is you know especially when we see him in the last jedi you know he's not the smartest guy in the room ever but suffice to say he kills han solo he is the reason luke dies and in this movie he is it's his he is the reason that leia dies every original trilogy character the main 3 all die in connection to kylo not ray kylo Ray watches when Han Solo dies. Ray's not even around when Leia dies, and not around when Luke dies. She never sees his final. Uh, I don't think she ever sees his final, you know, stand in, in Last Jedi. Kylo is involved in all of these things, and if Carrie Fisher had still been alive, it would have been her talking to him uh, at the very end. So he would have only he would have in fact seen their faces when they died, every single time. This this franchise is this trilogy is so focused on him, and yet the last like five minutes that he's in the movie, he doesn't like do anything. He barely says anything. He gives his life to 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 resurrect Rey, and I, I think that's just such bad bad writing and i think those are bad decisions. Now, if we don't have Palpatine, if it's just Kylo, if Kylo is the big bad, right? Um how does that work is the question? Does, you know, let's say, you know, i got the impression heading into this final film, if it were him to still be the big bad, he wanted you know, he doesn't want Quote unquote, the first order. He doesn't want, you know, Jedi, Sith, dark, light. He wants his thing. He wants whatever he is. And he is not inherent, you know, he is not a purely dark side person. We know this. But he's definitely, if it's a spectrum, you know, he's closer to the dark side than the light side. He's over the midway point for sure. Just like Ray is for the light side, and I don't think she's a perfect light person either. I think there's this great shade, these shades of gray in them that I love, that I I think are worth exploring. And I think this final film could have done a great job of showing, of you know, maybe it could have brought them a little closer to the center in on either side. Maybe it could have, you know, I kind of see a a path where. If Kylo is the supreme leader, the First Order doesn't agree with the changes he wants to make. Now that Snoke's gone, the First Order refuses to to listen to him, and it creates this struggle between him and Hux. And you know, maybe we can get the Knights of Ren in there to do something worthwhile and meaningful. And now we have Rey on the outside, and and the Resistance, and Leia watching this sort of power struggle. Va- power vacuum even with Snoke's death uh, as Kylo Hux First Order Knights of Ren both and I think it would be you know fascinating to see their struggle this this struggle for power you know here's here's the theme the struggle for power causes irreparable casualties not on both sides necessarily but on innocence right they still have, you know, presu- you know, they have so much power between Kylo and, and the First Order and Knights of Ren that it, it's it's absolutely conceivable and probably very likely that planets nearby will be, you know, destroyed in the wake, people will be damaged, hurt constantly, and that is what brings Rey and the Resistance into this fight at the end, that is what causes them to take charge and then you have this sort of three-pronged finale between the first order, whether that's Hux or if you want it to be Richard D. Grant, whatever. I Hux's character is very man. I really wish it wasn't Donald Gleason. I wish it was somebody older. I, I, give like fifteen years, somebody fifteen years older than Donald Gleason. I think would have been perfect for that role. I think he's just too too young. I think he's too childish of a, of a character and uh, i wish he was a little older however that aside if you know that that's probably the weakest element of this potential final film is that i think hux doesn't he's not exactly the kind of person that you would believe is the big bad even less so than kylo but suffice to say let's say hux kylo ray three prongs yep yeah. um then you can have, you know, you like we like Star Wars likes doing the 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 1v1 showdown, Kylo, Rey, the uh, space part, First Order, Resistance, and then, you know, this this third thing, some third thing, ground ground fight, right? And that can be Finn's thing, you know, Poe and the in the Resistance, Finn and the ground stuff can take on the Knights of Ren somehow. Boom. Three things done. Uh and then the resolution to that, uh, you know, gives us success. I, I, I think, I just, I did not have that prepared, to be fair. Like, to, I will admit, I, didn't, I wasn't planned. I, I didn't think of that through. But man, to me, that sounds like an infinitely better movie than the crap pile we ended up with. So, let's move on. Let's move on. Hux, talking about Hux, he's the spy. He's the one in the First Order leaking information back to the resistance. Why? Because he's pissed that, um, you know, he's pissed that, that Kylo has the power. He is the second in command of the First Order, second only to Kylo. But yet in this movie, he looks like he's barely even in control of his own people. He looks like he can barely order a stormtrooper around. Richard E. Grant's character shows up because we don't believe, really, that Hux is is powerful enough to do anything. And he's killed unceremoniously, which is fair for that character. But, it just... You know, you, again, I think it's the difference between playing with the cards you're dealt and... Folding and trying with the next hand and by doing that you you forsake everything that came before you you ruin and and destroy all the stuff everything that's been built up so yeah I, I think Hux's turn as a, as a spy is awful and stupid I think Richard D. Grant as the new face of the First Order is also stupid Um I don't care about him. I have no connection to Richard D. E. Grant's character. I don't know anything about him. He has no story. He has no arc. He's no personality. Uh, Huck's at least, uh, whether it's a good or a bad personality, has one. You know, we've spent two movies with him. We kind of, uh, you know, get who he is. And yet... Stupid. Um, okay, uh, so... Uh, kind of jumping around a little bit. I'm sure I'm not going in exact order of the film, but... Uh, Leia dies. Ray heals him. So then, Ray takes. So Ray doesn't know that she has his Wayfinder yet. She goes to Octo, where we meet Luke again. She tries to throw away her lightsaber. He catches it. Um, I don't really have a big problem with Octo. I don't. I don't think her time here is is that poor. Uh, it's just kind of boring, I guess. It's basically, here's this brief side plot uh, to uh, give us enough time for Luke to appear in the movie and give Rey some words of encouragement so that she goes to Exegol. Okay, we're in Exegol. Um, So she takes, she heads off to Exegol. She has the thing. Here, though, Luke's Force Spirit not only encourages her to go fight Palpatine, gives her, gives her. A lightsaber, not just any lightsaber, Leia's lightsaber. What? Leia is a Jedi. <sighs> we knew she had the Force. She's the twin of Luke, so clearly uh, it was inevitable that she could use the Force. We saw her use it. We've seen her use it in the, in the first previous two films in some capacity or another. We get a flashback of her and Luke training with lightsabers. Um, okay, look. I feel the same way about this that I do about Palpatine. It's there's no basis for it. It again, this time now we're getting this information. You know, an hour and a half into this movie or so. Uh, you know, it's too late. Eight and a half movies in, we finally find out that Leia's is a Jedi. No, I don't like that. I think it. it again, like why would we not know this already? And the question is, we we didn't. It's it's another one of those things that feels like, oh, well, what if Leia has been a Jedi the whole time? <gasps> that could answer this question. That's how she gets a lightsaber. Like it's It feels like it was literally inserted to do two things. One, find a way, an excuse for Rey to receive a new lightsaber. Awful justification to absolutely change an entire character's history in one moment. The other, though, is to give more importance and weight to Leia. And I think that this fails to do that because it just surrounds her with more questions. It throws her entire identity and character. Uh, it makes it so much fuzzier than we thought. You know, this movie, if you know, if we're seeing Luke's movie, if we got Han's movie previously, if this is Leia's movie, it should solidify and and define and resolve her character, not throw it into question. Stupid Um, uh, Kylo talks to his dad He's like, ah, okay, I'm Ben again Cool Um, uh, Palpatine destroys one of the planets With one of his Star Destroyers Fine C-3PO, who lost his memory, gets it back again Again, stupid, don't know why it's in the movie Uh, I heard, though, that it doesn't include The events of The Last Jedi and like, I mean, there are a lot of points in this movie where they just immediately like they just totally like middle finger the last Jedi, but really? <sighs> Bad to me. Very stupid. Uh the resistance follows Ray to Exegol. Ray confronts Palpatine. Uh he demands, he wants her to kill him. And and here's where we get into something that in the film is presented as another situation. You know, Palpatine did this with Luke strike me down in anger la 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 uh you know so on and so forth and she does, he does the same thing to ray strike me down in anger and i will become even more powerful uh, but in this time this way he actually says strike me down in anger and i will transfer myself into you in this movie i hate this i think it's very poorly executed. I think it's very poorly explained. Um, all of a sudden he is every Sith. And all of a sudden every Sith is going to become part of Rey. If she does strike him down. Or whoever strikes him down. I guess is theoretically a potential uh, vessel. But. What this does lead to. Is something I do like. And, and I, it doesn't really impact this movie. Because I don't feel like it's in this movie. But externally. If Palpatine. Has been alive this whole time. Let's rewind a little bit. We hear him talk to Anakin in the prequel trilogy about Darth Sidious. And his ability to prolong life and bring people back from the dead. And so... If you kind of think about that a little more. Think of the rule of two. Always have to be two Sith. He, tell, he says that in his error... Um. Uh, or Darth Plagueis I'm sorry, not Sidious Darth Plagueis uh, was killed By his apprentice Which we kind of get the impression That that was Palpatine However, if Darth Plagueis' Spirit Entered Palpatine Right Because he struck his master down in anger Then It would only sir, You know it would only make sense that he's, want, you know he's now older, he's getting old. He wants somebody younger. He wants somebody in good shape to do the same to him so that he can transfer his spirit into them and you know continue on. So he picks Anakin. but then uh, that doesn't really go so well. Anakin's limbs were all hacked off. He's still very powerful as Vader, but you know, he's not exactly a, a physical specimen anymore. So he's off the table. So then he turns his attention to Luke. Luke's very powerful. Very strong with force and he thinks he's getting close but instead of turning Luke to the dark side Luke turns Vader to the light Vader kills kills um, Emperor Palpatine and uh, he can't transfer spirit into him because one I don't well I don't know if you have to be you know very close to the person proximity but he throws him down a shaft so he's not really close at all uh, so and he doesn't want to be Vader either Somehow he's able to keep himself alive. Somehow he has a granddaughter named Rey. Somehow he turns, you know, he eventually he uses the visage of Snoke to turn Kylo. He's like, Oh, I can be Kylo. But then he meets Ray. <gasps> Ray's better. Ray is stronger. Ray could be more powerful. I will turn Ray. I will get Ray to kill me. I will inhabit her. Bada bing, bada boom. I still live on. And uh great things and, and evil things can be done. That is a fascinating. Interpretation of the Rule of Two, recontextualizing what the Rule of Two actually is. It's not a way to prevent all the Sith from dying out in the same way as it's actually meant to provide the master of the two Siths with a new vessel with which to enter. I think that's awesome. That's not in these movies. At least, if it is, it's very briefly touched on, if ever mentioned. I think that's really cool. Unfortunately, uh, it's not exactly exemplified in these films. But, we're left with Palpatine wants to transfer all the spirits of all the Siths into Rey. Just in the nick of time, Lando brings everyone uh, from across the galaxy into this battle. Um, Lando. He just, he disappears for an hour of the movie, shows up with a fleet. Cool. How did... uh, It looks like Endgame. It's far less impactful, and it turns it. It's just like into a CGI slugfest with a few close-up shots of people flying ships. Uh, And I don't. It's. It doesn't mean anything to me. I'm not attached enough to this, and to to this conflict. I don't. It. It doesn't. It just. It just doesn't. That's all. It just doesn't. Uh, we get Poe and Finn out doing their thing. Like, oh, there's this one little beacon tower that if we kill it, it, you know, none of the ships can do anything. They're all rendered useless. Bad writing. Eventually, I don't know why they can't shoot the thing, but they can't. Eventually, the beacon, whatever the signal it's emitting, is transferred up to a different ship. Okay, now we have to kill this ship, not all of them, just this one. Again, bad writing. Don't know why we had to switch things. We also have Janna, who I totally glossed over because I think she's an irrelevant character. But, uh, man, everything about the final battle um, outside of the Kylo, Ray, Palpatine dynamic is meaningless to me, in my opinion. I think it's all poorly executed. Uh, You know, spectacle, sure, it looks like a spectacle, but it doesn't feel like a spectacle, and that's the problem. JJ's great at making things look fun and look good, but he never, he's really, really shit at making them feel fun and feel good and feel emotional and feel impactful. You know, this is, you know, if this is the Star Wars endgame, I should be in tears Multiple times, watching this movie Caring about these characters I didn't feel it I, You know, like, Chewbacca dies Or quote-unquote dies C-3PO loses his memory I don't even have enough time to register That these impactful moments have taken place Because in the next scene They're undone, they're rewound They're, you know, they're walked back Time and time and time again This movie Refuses To let you feel For the characters, it just you know it doesn't. So Kylo shows up, or Ben shows up. Uh, He destroys, he beats the Knights of Ren. So you know they're worthless. Uh, He joins Rey. There's a really cool moment where she they force time with each other, and she like puts the lightsaber behind her back, and then Kylo pulls it from behind his back. It's cool. Could have been. I don't know, it's cool It's cool, it's fine Uh, Ray fights Palpatine He overpowers her Kylo shows up, he's overpowered as well Uh, Ray grabs both of the lightsabers Palpatine force Lightnings her, she crosses them And to me It seems like she's sending the force lightning back to him I've heard other people interpret it as her Using her own force lightning Pretty sure she's deflecting it back at him So in effect She's not killing him, he's killing himself no vessel to transfer into. That's what, yeah, I guess that makes the most sense to me. And um, ultimately it kills her too. I don't understand that. Uh, it, I, I might have to watch the movie again, which I do intend to do at some point. Uh, definitely not at the theater, because I don't want to give it any more money. But if it shows up on Disney+, Plus, I guess I will give it another watch and see if all my criticisms remain valid. But she ends up dying. Ben climbs out of the pit. Uh, I've heard that he was supposed to die in the pit. Uh, that would have been somehow even worse than whatever what ends up happening afterward. But he climbs up. Uh, transfers all of his life force into her. Bring her back to life. They kiss. Very sloppily. And then Ben dies and becomes one with the force. Immediately. He immediately becomes one with the force. Ray dies. Does not immediately become one with the force. Plot writing story. The Resistance takes down the rest of the Armada, and uh, they go celebrate, and cool. Chewie gets a medal. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Um, Poe wants to go have sex with uh, Zuri. She's like, nah. And um, what looks like Lando hitting on his supposed daughter? Question mark? Not sure. Jana. But also in a scene that really does feel like we're going to go have our own adventures now. And there's a couple of those. Like, I get the impression that we might get a Disney Plus Zori series, um, Lando and Jana, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Awful. I hate that. Like, as much as Marvel is known for backdooring their own characters like uh, Spider Man, like Black Panther, and all that stuff, they do it very well. Uh, Or at least. Uh, by the standards of whatever the hell was happening at the end of this movie, uh, they're masters of it, and and this but like they don't even do it in Endgame, at all, and I don't know why they're doing it in Rise of Skywalker or at least giving us moments that even feel like they're doing it, even if they're not. So whatever, awful stuff aside, uh, Ray goes, well not awful stuff aside, uh, Ray goes back to Tatooine. She has Luke and Leia's lightsabers. She carefully bundles them up. Buries them under the sand And, uh, has built her own lightsaber Which is really cool A yellow lightsaber, uh, that looks like her staff Has a blade on either end Kind of, uh, Darth Maul style It's really neat I would've liked to see her build it We've never seen anyone build a lightsaber Before In this franchise, and I think it would've been cool to see it happen But The yellow is neat The fact that it's like her staff, I like that too Uh, then, oh man, okay. Somebody in the middle of this desert, in the middle of the desert on Tatooine, walks by, just happens to be walking by. She's like, hey, who are you? But, because also, why? And she's like, I'm Ray. Shrug. And the passerby is like, no, but what's your last name? And like, this is it's it's like it feels like The Office to me, where this whoever this woman is and and Ray could like both be deadpanning the camera right now, like oh I'm Ray, dramatic pause, turn, Luke and Leia force ghosts, Skywalker. <sighs> um. Yeah, I, look, she's rejecting her name of Palpatine, which I didn't even really consider that her name, uh, you know, <laughs> generally speaking, you know, mo- I guess, like, how often is someone's granddaughter's last name the same as your last name, uh, you know, you know, one of my two uh, two of my four grandparents don't have the last name that I have uh, So I, I think Ray, Ray Palpatine Doesn't make sense uh, Being his granddaughter, if that's how they want to do it, fine But like her last name being Palpatine is silly to me But I guess if she doesn't have a last name, what else would she pick Besides Palpatine, if that's her grandfather, whatever But she can't obviously say that, because Palpatine, kind of a bad name It's like uh, Ray Hitler, wouldn't work so, Ray Skywalker Luke and Leia, kind of been her parents Most of this trilogy, I guess Leia, less so, Luke, less so I never got the impression that either of them felt like a mother Or a father to her uh, If anything She had the best camaraderie with Han earlier on uh, But then if she's Rey Solo Oh, wait a second Isn't that incest when she kisses Ben? Not exactly, because obviously we know that they're not You know, blood related, but question marks, question marks, question marks. But she's raised Skywalker. She's adopted the name. She has taken on the name of Skywalker. This moment for me would have felt so much more powerful if she had been a nobody. And I think if they had structured the films a little differently to make it, you know, to make Luke and Leia appear to be more of her parents. That could have been cool, too, uh, to kind of help the situation along. But I would have just also been unhappy as as, I, I mean, I guess, like, if this is the way you want to set up the final shot of your movie, mm-hmm. her saying, Ray, the person saying, but what's your last name? And she says, just Ray. That doesn't really work as an ending. But I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't even like... Everything that happens on Tatooine, I don't like. At the end of this movie, I don't think it needs to be there. I don't know how you how how you do end the film necessarily, but this is not it. I saw a great joke, great meme, lots lots of love to whoever create came up with this idea. That the ending of this movie is basically her saying "Ray Star Wars," and that is so true, and so monumentally stupid to me, that, (sighs) yeah, so, so there's that, I glossed over a lot of things, Rose, not in this movie, at all, not at all, doesn't really show up, um, what else, Sure, there's a couple other things, um, but I'm, they escape me for the moment. Uh, da, 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 da. I don't know. Just like Finn and like, like I barely talked about Finn and Poe. They don't have a lot to do in this movie. Uh, they eventually become co-leaders of the Resistance when Leia passes away, and it just kind of goes to further solidify that one. They should have either been uh they should have been like they should be gay partners uh, which would have been awesome they're not or the fact that they're the same friggin character uh, it, it when they're with Ray they have a functionally they functionally serve the same purpose. They both shoot blasters they both have snarky comments they both do this 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 the only difference is that Finn used to be a stormtrooper and Poe, flies goods, flies ships well. That's it, that's, that's pretty much it. You could combine these characters very easily, you know, and I, this film does nothing to differentiate them. Whereas I feel like at least the previous two films tried to separate things, tried to give them their own thing, tried to give them their own agencies, their own characters, their own plots. Here, they're like together the whole time, they do everything together, They should either be, you know, making out in the corner, or one character. Whatever. Bad. Bad, 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 bad. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I really don't like this movie. I think it is really, really bad. I think I I would even say it's awful. I think it's an awful film. I think it's poorly made. I think the amount of times that it works and does something right are just very few and far between. Um... Yeah, uh, it's very disappointing. It's very, very disappointing. Um, I hate the way they treat Rose. I hate so much, so much of the movie. That said, um, so let's kind of give this. We're kind of reaching the end here. Kind of, what are we at? Hour and twenty-five minutes. Boy, um, so. <sighs> I want to I harp on a couple of things. First of all, J.J. Abrams directed the film. He's part of the writers of the story and the screenplay. Obviously, part of this debacle is is on him, but it is not all his fault. And I would even say uh, it probably isn't even... Ma- the, ma- most, the majority of the fault is not his either. Uh, I would say that everyone involved in these films, from the bottom to the top, is at fault including Ryan Johnson including the people that I like they're they are to blame the, the 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 hubris to not at least sketch out a, a something for these films is beyond me beyond me it makes no sense it is the most idiotic thing I've ever heard of it, it just... I don't I don't get it. I do not understand. I cannot comprehend the decision making behind the scenes for these three films. They deserve to end this way, to end on such a lackluster, underwhelming, disappointing note. For me, and and you know, this is like the extreme of it to me. This is as much of a a failure as Batman v Superman. Now there are definitely moments of Batman v Superman that are poor, uh, are worse than what you're going to find in this movie. Martha is worse than anything that's in Rise of Skywalker, but there's so much in Batman v Superman that, while I wouldn't say is good, is acceptable. There is very, there's so much less in this movie that is acceptable to me. The story, the plot, it is convoluted, it is jumbled, it makes no sense. The constant fetch quests, the, you know, just do this thing, to do that thing, to do that thing, to do that thing. Come on, man. Really? But, like I said, this is a film that had... The, the potential to, to succeed with it is so infinitesimally small. You know, even the the best possible result for this movie is probably not as good as, you know, the majority the you know, it doesn't it probably barely makes it in the top half of of all Star Wars movies because it's just the 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 ceiling for how good this can be given the path that we took given Carrie Fisher dying given you know the the schism of the fans all that put together you just you could not have made a good movie that way a great movie that way it would have it would have been the shock of the century if that had come if that had happened if this was better than empire and and a new hope I would, I would, uh, you know, uh, insanity, insanity. And for me, hearing people put it on the same level as those movies, hearing people say it could be better than any of those movies is, is just, I mean, like, Hey, I, I, if somebody likes this movie, if somebody enjoys this movie, more power to them, I'm, I'm happy for you. I, I think, you know, obviously, every movie has somebody that enjoys it. And I think this is, you know, another movie that I didn't like. I, and, and a lot of people did, and a lot, relatively speaking, compared to one. Uh, but, you know, it's just, the, the, it's a fundamental difference in how I look at movies and how everyone who enjoyed this looks at movies. From not only a, a contained within Rise of Skywalker standpoint, but from a macro Sequel trilogy, macro, Star Wars franchise standpoint. I cannot understand being satisfied or happy with the product that was given. I don't know. Like I said, I eventually will probably watch this again uh, by the time when it comes on Disney+. And um, if anything changes, in my mind... um, I will say so because I think it's, I'm obligated to, after being so negative on the film, I think it'd be my, I'm obligated to go into what I, what's changed and what I've liked and what, what's grown on me or or what with time has, has angered me less, I suppose. That said, um, this is not my least favorite Star Wars movie not quite uh I think it is better than the Phantom Menace and I think it's better than the Clone Wars animated movie period um I ended up giving it a 24 so there are there's a there's a long way to go for it to be absolute garbage um you know it, it's it's one of those instances where... You know, it's not like the the effects are bad. It's not like, you know, it's it's the writing. Uh, not, it's not even like the performances are bad. Some of the performances are very solid. I like Daisy Ridley. I like uh, Adam Driver. Uh, even John Boyega and and Oscar Isaac, they're not poorly acting. It's just the, the the characters are written poorly, and so I'm not going to penalize them even further for for, for that. You know, um, Dio. There's a droid, new droid, Dio. Uh, probably the best thing to come out of this movie, not Dio itself, but his his primary line of dialogue, which is, no thank you, and that's kind of what I want to say to this movie, no thank you, you know, I'm gonna, un- until I, for, for the time being, Last Jedi is my franchise finale, and uh, it's not quite as bombastic as I expected the Star Wars finale to be, but, you know, it's the one that works for me, and uh, if... I think if you are someone who doesn't like The Last Jedi, if you watched Force Awakens, acted like Last Jedi didn't happen, and then watched Rise of Skywalker, it probably uh, makes more sense than if you enjoyed The Last Jedi and, and watched Rise of Skywalker as if The Last Jedi did happen. That's about where I'm at with this movie. So, suffice to say, that is the review I give The Rise of Skywalker I think it's pretty garbage, and um, I'm very pleased to see it tanking at the box office. I hope hope it misses a billion dollars, because I think that would be a very significant milestone for it to miss. And I really am concerned about the future of Star Wars under Disney. I think there's a lot of changes that need to be made, and I hope they make them. I like Star Wars. I like... The world that George Lucas created I think there's a lot of potential in this Universe and yet Time and time again The sequels um, Solo, Rise of Skywalker It really feels like No one really understands what they need They should be doing uh, Except you know a select few individuals And It's it's disappointing You know So <sighs> Star Wars, Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. That is the end of my review. Thank you for listening. It does mean a lot. If you'd like to find more episodes, you can find them on Stitcher, iTunes, places where podcasts can be found. You can find all the episodes at circlefilm.com, the website. In addition to other things on top of that. You can find me on Twitter, where you can send all your disappointment and hate tweets too. Uh, at Circle of Film. You can email me if you want a more personalized and uh, more characters to tell me how wrong I am about the Rise of Skywalker at uh, Circle of at gmail.com. Or uh, you can find me on Letterboxd, where you can read my review of Rise of Skywalker and tell me how bad it was and how good the movie is. Uh, Letterboxd at Circle of Film. If you would like to support the show, like it, rate it, review it, subscribe to it, tell somebody about it, listen to it. Or if you are so inclined to become a patron at patreon.com slash circleoffilm, where for as little, little as eight cents an episode, you can get early access to everything that comes out early. And um, that's it. Thank you for listening. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same tonight. night. I know she'll never leave me. Even as she fades from view So long farewell I'll be to say adieu Nothing's really left or lost without a trace Nothing's gone forever only out of place So long farewell oh be to say Wait, Wait a minute Wait a minute so long